Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth clothing for all types of weather, all types of terrain, all types of budgets. It's clothing that just works. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. And now through February 11th, they have a sale site-wide, 20 to 50% off on all the gear on the site. Um, I would check out that Grayling hoodie and the Durham pants. Um, some of my favorites, uh, definitely what I would be stocking up on if it were me. And, uh, yeah, just check them out at huntworthgear.com. Today's podcast, we're talking about, um, our Patreon bear hunt. So, uh, we are getting into a bear hunting series. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit Western, um, talking Western bear, spring bear. Um, got some great guests lined up and this is kind of the whole, uh, reason why. Uh, so right here, this podcast is just kind of going, uh, kind of where this started. Uh, you've heard me talk about our Patreon group, um, our Western bear hunt, Bowhunter Chronicles West. Uh, we kind of joke about that, but we are doing uh, a Patreon hunt 
in Montana this year, in addition to uh, what we're doing here in Michigan for our deer camp. And so this is kind of where it all came about and kind of what our expectations are, what we're looking at, how uh, how we're going to approach it, and uh, maybe a reason why we can look back and say why um, it uh, it didn't work out or it did, uh, or where we went wrong. So anyways, i uh, got to give a, a huge shout-out to our latest Patreon, Matt Lair. Um, so uh, Matt... <laughs> you know, extremely humbled that he's, uh, supporting our show. Uh, Matt has the mobile hunters dojo podcast, um, a very high level hunter, super humble, uh, killed a absolute tank this year. Um, so all that said, you know, Matt, we, we really appreciate it. And, uh, he'll be part of our quarterly giveaways. Um, and I'll, uh, send him the information for, um, our, uh, Marco Polo group where we are truly building a community. Uh, so I'm going to send that information over there. Um, but if you want to check that out, if you want to uh, be involved with uh, any of our giveaways, I'm still working on our, uh, you know, sponsors, show partners, everything for, for this year, but I don't think a whole lot's going to change. Um, giveaways from Latitude, Huntworth, Spartan Forge, uh, Big Shot, Lucky Buck, Kanadi, Zinger, um, Genesis 3D in the mix, all those, um, you know, those are some options for us uh, here uh, in the podcast. They, we don't work with companies who don't give back something um, to, to our Patreons. It's just kind of like the way we operate and the companies that we work with. So um, to get in on giveaways from those great companies, uh, go support those great companies. And uh, yeah, so patreon.com forward slash bullhunter chronicles podcast and enjoy the episode thanks all right everybody adam back with another episode of the bowhunter chronicles podcast and i'm not gonna lie to you the next um six weeks six months um you may or may not like some of the content and uh the guy that i'm talking to tonight um is is a hundred percent to blame for that. Um, oh, yeah. it's Tom, it's Tom Taylor. Um, and we're going to, we're going to get into that. He's been on here a few times. Uh, the last time he was in his truck, uh, door dinging and all. And, uh, this time you'll be able to see his, uh, beautiful mug if you go to our YouTube channel. So, um, what we're doing, if you've listened to the intros and kind of some of the stuff that we've been doing with Patreon, um, you know, we do our, our bow hunt and that came from a turkey hunt, that ended up like, Hey, we should try to do a deer camp. And there was four of us to do this uh, turkey hunt. And we said, yeah, let's, let's try that. And that four turned into 30, um, that turned into 50. And, uh, then it turned into, Hey, you know, I just moved out to Montana. I really enjoyed your camp. I couldn't come. Do you want to come over and do a bear hunt at my house in Montana? And then we just like, we were eight years old, like, Mom, can I go stay at Tom's house? Um, and, uh, you know, so some of us are packing up and we're heading out west. Um, and we're going to do, uh, do a bear hunt, a spring bear hunt. And, uh, that sounded pretty accurate, Tom. Uh, I would say I'm not the one to blame. There was, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it, there was a lot of guys in the polo group that were, um, they started the BHC West camp talk a long time before we had anything really in the, in the, in the plans. And, uh, 
I figured selfish, selfishly to keep them out of my elk hunting season that I would <laughs> offer up their camp. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and so that's one of the things that, you know, we're going to be talking out uh, about, I've got some really, really, uh, great, great guests lined up to, uh, to talk with on, on spring bear hunting and uh, on bear hunting in general. And it, it honestly was never something that ever interested me. Um, you know, I would see these guys just posting these videos of like, look at my spotting scope and there's a bear over there and he's just this little speck over there. And we're going to try and figure out if he's a sow, we're going to do all this stuff. And it, it, it just wasn't one of those things that like piqued my interest until we started doing this. And, and like you said, selfishly to kind of keep people, you know, out of your, your elk woods. Um, but spring bear for, I think most people isn't something where you're like, man, I'm going to for, for, a, for a Easterner, like I'm going to take up a bunch of my vacation and I'm going to go chase essentially a predator or a nuisance. Um, you know, in, in some regards. Um, so it was just like, well, I got, you know, I only got so much vacation and as we're moving towards this, you know, where guys will talk about point creep and they talk about, you know, I mean, look what Wyoming did for the cost of a, a tag, right. An out of state elk tag, you know, it, it's getting expensive for the tags to go out West, the draws are taking longer. There's more hunters in the woods and that's, that's fine. Like I'm not Matt Ranella, like you're at my trailhead. I'm just saying it's, it's getting more and more uh, difficult to plan a hunt, you know, to actually plan a hunt where these bear hunts over the counter tag, it's not very expensive. Um, It's a beautiful time of year. If you, if you time it right, right. It's nice, nice down low up high. It's can be cold and nasty or whatever. So the more that I'm like, like starting to research it, I'm starting to feel like when I first started, like when we first started the podcast and when we were going out West for the first time and like some of the guys in our, our Patreon group that are heading out there, like what boots do I get? Like what tent do I get? Like, what do I get for a pack? Um, kind of getting reinvigorated. Um, and is that what you kind of had in mind when you, you know, you said, well, let's, let's do a, a, a bear camp. And then have you, I mean, have you, had you, uh, bear hunted in the spring out West before? No, no, it was never on my radar. Like I would have never, um, you know, it was, it was kind of, uh, it was never on my radar when I was, when I lived in Michigan. Um, springtime was turkey season. You chase birds around, um, and you know, you did some scouting, did some fishing, and it was never something I would have ever thought about. You know, I, we, we had kind of, me and my buddies had kind of, um, thought about maybe going to Canada and doing a, a, a a fly in trip or something like that. One of these days type thing. But, uh, um, shooting, shooting a bear over bait just never got my, I can see, I can see the fun of it and I have zero issues with it. That's not where it's coming from, but, um, it just never really got my blood up. You know, it just was kind of like one of those things where I was like, 
if I was going to do one of those flying trips like that, I'd probably spend just as much time catching and eating walleye as I would, you know, a hunting bear. Um, and I think some of the part of it too was like, I started putting in for bear points in Michigan and some of the attractiveness to that was knowing that, you know, you were going to bait and you were going to put a lot of time and effort into it. And I could see some of that had a draw to me, um, you know, going up there and finding your spots and doing all your research and then running your baits. And it's a lot of work. And, uh, there was, there was some draw there because it, it was so much work. Um, but it just never really, you know, I always just would end up chasing turkeys around. And then when we moved out here, there are no turkeys by me, um, and a lot of bears. So (laughs) it kind of just made sense. Like last year was my first year ever bear hunting in my entire life. And just getting out there and chasing them around doing a spot and stock, I was like, okay, this is different. This is, this is a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's a great time to be out in the mountains. Like I said, um, it can be nasty. Um, last year was a brutal spring. We had a lot of snow and all the way through April. Um, so it made it really tough, but you just, you're seeing parts of the mountain that you wouldn't necessarily go to. You're, you're looking at different things. And, and, uh, as soon as I did it, I was like, the heck with trying to find turkeys over here. I'm, I'm going to be spring bear from here on out. Um, and then when the guys started talking about, you know, like we should do a BHC West hunt and all this kind of stuff. It, uh, I just, in my head, I was thinking, you know, selfishly, like I said, I don't, you know, I don't mind having guys out to, you know, go out cutting all that kind of stuff, you know, jokingly, but, uh, it's a really good way for guys to not mess up their whitetail season to, you know, go do a Western style hunt. Um, nobody out here is going to care if you're out here chasing bears around, you know, they just, everybody wants the bear numbers knocked down. They need to be managed. Um, and it just seemed like a really easy way for guys to dip their toes into a Western style hunt without breaking the bank on an elk tag. If they've never done it before and all the gear and yada, yada, and we're going to, you know, the, the gear they're going to need is going to be extremely limited because the way we're going to hunt, um, you know, we'll be here at the house. It's not like we're going to need everything for the back country. So it'll just, it would be a really, really good entry point for guys to dip their toes into a Western style hunt. That's not going to break their bank, not going to need a ton of gear. And they're also going to, you know, possibly be able to do this for years to come with their buddies somewhere else, somewhere different state, wherever, and uh, not mess their whitetail season up. So that's kind of what was running through my head. So being out there for the first time doing your first elk hunt and do, or, um, your bear hunt rather. What do you think guys who have, who've never been out West, who've never been in the mountains or or whatever, um, can learn from it. And why would it be a good way to dip your toes into elk hunting? Cause we're talking different 
time of year, different style of hunting. You know, you're not going to learn calling. You're not going to learn um, any of that stuff. You know, the, you know, because I, I have done, you know, the hike in elk hunt and the the get dropped off on horseback and spike camp rifle hunt and the two are way way different i mean they're not they're not calling they're not bugling i mean i'm I'm already planning for the 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 next trip where we do that spike camp again of like how i'm going to set up and i'm going to have to just i mean it's almost going to be like whitetail hunting like trying to pinch them down like where i saw these elk and how they use the terrain versus that elk calling and all that stuff so from your first hunt like what did you learn and what 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 should guys uh why should a, a bear hunt be on their radar to try and move them forward in a western way yeah and i don't think the objective was ever to like move them into elk hunting or deer hunting um mostly like you know affordable trip in the spring to knock the snow off their boots and and go chase something around in the spring um but you know it it definitely is it's going to be a good way for guys to you know they're gonna they're gonna go from looking at the map at country they've never ever seen before um to seeing it in person and it's gonna show them just what the country looks like and what to expect um they're gonna see how big the country actually is versus what it looks like on the map they're going to be able to tell what's realistic to get to what's not realistic to get to, um, what the forest service roads look like compared to what they look like on the map with the trails, the ATVs, um, all that stuff. They're going to realize how hard it is to hike up a hill for a long period of time after you've been sitting on the couch all winter. And (laughs) I mean, it's just stuff like that, you know, how your feet, how your feet do, um, and the boots you got, it's, you know, be able to test your gear out a little bit. And it's just going to be a completely, different thing for somebody that's coming from the Midwest that's never been in the mountains. Um, and not to mention, um, just, I mean, you, you know, this firsthand from going to Idaho, Elkham, um, the pure beauty of it. I mean, not to sound dramatic, but it is, I mean, it's a beautiful place to hunt, you know, uh, the Rocky mountains from Mexico to Canada are pretty, gorgeous every stretch you know every single mile from mexico to canada are pretty gorgeous so there's just a lot of opportunity there and for guys like me you know that are on a budget and can only plan so much so so much time so many hunts in a year it's just a good way to get them out in the spring when they don't have a ton of other stuff planned um you know go see some new new stuff new country Plus it just builds woodsmanship. You know, you, the more stuff you see, the more experiences you have, the more times you fail it, uh, the more times you, you learn, you know, the better you get at just being a better all around hunter. In my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie to you when, so we've been talking about this for a very long time. It seems like now at this point. Yeah. And when you put those maps, um, when you shared the maps on kind of like what you were looking at, I had almost the same feeling of like when we stepped out of the truck in Idaho and like got like, you know, you go up that first ridge and I bet you we weren't 
a quarter of the mile from the truck. And I just stopped and had the realization like, holy shit, what do I do now? You know, and I'm right. We're (laughs) 15 minutes into a 10, 11 day hunt. Right. And, you know, so you shared those, uh, maps and I can kind of look at a map now and say, okay, this is, you know, with elk, like there's very specific things that I'm looking for. Right. And I kind of feel comfortable looking at that, but where we were at was way different than what you showed. I mean, you're, you're, you're showing uh, these glassing points or whatever that have, you know, six, eight, 10 draws in them, like really tight terrain. It looked like, and I was like, how do you, you know, I can't, you can't hike every single one of those. You can't, no, there's, there's no (laughs) way, you know? So that's when I had to like go to the YouTube machine and say, okay, I got to see what the, where these guys are going, like what it looks like, what they're glass and, you know, and when you see them sitting on the side of the logging road, you know, kind of like when I first started watching like some of the born and raised stuff and their height, you know, a lot of it's in, you know, steep timber and stuff like that, but a lot of stuff they're buzzing down these roads, calling, looking down into some of these clear cuts and stuff like that. And so to be able to associate those two things, um, we're, we're like kind of that, that gut punch again, you know, right. even, even for me. So I can't imagine the guys that have, it was for me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was in the same boat. <laughs> you know, It's uh there's a lot of country to look at out here. And, you know, obviously the, you know, your odds tend to go up the further away from pressure you get, um, the deeper you get, but we also have to be realistic too. Um, you know, with the base camp area and how far and um, but even even so, just I mean, just from the freeway, you know, I I pull over on the shoulder to the freeway all the time, and I'm always glassing up game. And uh, I mean, we had a black bear just on the outskirts of town last spring. You know, he was walking around. He was there for two or three days. We had so much snow; it had all those bears down on private land um the first part of spring there and and uh it had one of them pushed right down here right next to town in a little park where people walk their dogs and ride their bikes so (laughs) you know they just with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You know, I think it sounds kind of stupid. It's, you know, a lot of people say it about elk and deer and whatever, but it's, you know, find a bear where they're at. You know, do it. Let's get out there and look. So, 
it's just going to be a lot of that front country stuff that we're hunting a lot of driving a lot of looking a lot of short hikes looking um you know we may dive into a spot that if i get you know when i get out there and do some scouting now i'll look for some areas where if if i find a spot that money and we want to dive into it we'll dive into it but um it's gonna we're gonna be late in the season so they're gonna be spread out it's it's gonna be tough it's not gonna be um it's not gonna be a gimme but there's a lot of bears over here and i think we got a pretty good shot at knocking a couple of them down so and and that's one of the things i wanted to to talk about a little bit too is like i i feel like when so i i'm i'm kind of coming around on this to think that you know maybe maybe when you spend a bunch of money to go hunt out of state like you should always have the goal of like killing or bust right um mm-hmm. But I think, you know, in a way, this hunt um, and, and spring bear in general isn't necessarily, at least maybe that's the way you sold it because you wanted your buddies to come out. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, you know, and I, I talked to it at uh, ATA with uh, the, uh, the working class bowhunter guys about this uh, very thing. And they said, you know as much as it is a bear hunt, you know, you're kind of have like a bear camp. So you're, you don't have to get up early. You're, you're sitting around, you know, somebody's cooking breakfast, you're doing that. You're spending, you know, a good portion of the day, you know, shed hunting or scouting glass and, you know, just checking out country, maybe you're fishing or something. And then you're hunting, you know, you're really trying to get on a bear just that, that evening hunt. So there's a lot of time spent in camp, a lot of, you know, it's just a, a fun experience bears aside, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's that's, kind of like what you, you kind of had in in mind, you know, putting this thing together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of why I I leaned. That's one of the reasons I leaned towards a bear hunt too, is because, um, you know, an archery help hunt is hard enough when you live out here. Um, but when you're traveling out of state and you got a limited amount of time, you are getting after a hard and, and not to say we're not going to get after a hard gear, but the, the rifle bear hunting, um, or a spot and stock bear hunting, it, it just kind of, it lends itself a little bit more to that camp atmosphere. Um, you know, get up, get a big breakfast in you, get all your gear around and then hit it hard for the rest of the day. And, uh, you know, that's tough to do on an, archery elk hunt or any type of elk hunt it's because you're just grinding so hard and you're really covering a lot of miles um and i think you know when it comes when it comes to bear hunting um you can do that too i mean you certainly could do that um but i i think it just lends itself and the tags a little bit easier to chew on (laughs) you know for a non-resident uh, I think it's 350 versus, you know, 1100 or whatever it is now. So, um, it's a little less to chew on if you don't, you know, take it over the top serious. So, yeah. And so for you coming from kind of that angle and having your first season under your belt, you're the resident expert at uh spot and stock yeah. bear hunting, right? <laughs> yeah. So what has your experience been? 
as far as you know strategy or whatever because you can watch and see every, all these guys and you know i i feel like there's there's like if you're watching videos right there's not a lot <laughs> this is probably just shows like our naivete as far as like what we're doing right but there is oh, 100% <laughs> there there isn't a lot of like out of state diy uh spring bear hunt videos it's usually like guys that are going like way back in the yeah. back country that have an idea and they're going to get, get places where nobody's ever been or these bears, you know, there's a lot of bears cause people don't go back there or you've got people who live out there and they kind of pattern these bears all year. You know, they just know where the bears hang out. So they're, right. they're going to put that the time in with the odds. Now for you, you know, just being out there and all that stuff, like, what's the balance between like just sitting and glassing saying like, there's gotta be a bear up there. There's lots of green, there's lots of food, you know, they, there's gotta be one in there. And then doing the like born and raised elk hunting, like we're just going to burn gravel until we run into something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy. I didn't even see a bear in season last year. Um, I saw, I saw more bears when I was out kayaking with the kids and fishing than I ever did during the season. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the balance is. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of, let's just trust our gut and take a census and what do we want to do tomorrow type thing. Um, and I think it also depends on too, like the country we're getting into. If we spot, if we find a spot where all of us are just like, this this feels right this looks good like if somebody sat here long enough they're gonna see a bear because our because of our vast I, bear knowledge yeah <laughs> no i i just think <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't know what that looks like you know maybe we'll i'm just kind of hoping we notice it when we see it <laughs> um i don't know man i just think i think what's gonna happen is we're we're going to take off to a spot. We're going to burn some, we're going to burn some gravel. We're going to go find some spots to sit in glass. We're going to get sick of that pretty quick. And then we're just going to go hit the calls real hard. <laughs> and to be completely honest with you, uh, I think, our, excuse me, with us hunting the front, the front country like this and without uh, exhausting the guys too hard, really stacking the miles on, I honestly think the calling game in the country that's around me is, is pretty heavily timbered. It's pretty, it's, it's fairly steep country in some areas. It's really steep. Um, and there's a lot of stuff to look at that you can see from the road and you can put a lot of miles on and be pretty effective that way. Um, but man, can you, you can, you could really easily, uh, get a lot of setups and call setups in, in a day. And I honestly think some of this thicker country behind me that doesn't have a lot of good glassing stuff. It's, it's just really thick, nasty stuff. I honestly think we could bury ourselves in there and really, uh, have some pretty, our odds are going to be pretty good. I think at the, the calling, um, 
I, I don't know why I feel like that. It's not coming off of any type of experience. I have zero clue. I just, it just seems like the terrain lends itself in some of those areas for, you know, setting up the calling. So that, that brings in a whole nother, um, the elephant in the room, right? Is, uh, what's the, what's, what's the grizzly situation, uh, oh. out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the areas that I kind of showed you guys on the map, I haven't seen a ton of grizzly sign in there. I haven't seen much grizzly sign. Some, um, so have you tried calling we'll them? Address- <laughs> no, no, never done that. <laughs> uh, you know, track around in a lot of it. And I would never, I would, I would never put guys in a position where I thought they had a high likelihood of calling them a grumpy one, you know? So, but you always just got to be ready for it. You know, I, I don't know as if I'd go in a place where I knew there was, you know, some of these spots not too far from me. Um, I don't know as if I would go into that area and call. I don't think that would be my technique for some of those spots. Cause I think <laughs> you've got a bit of a likelihood of calling in a whoopsie, you know, and it's not going to be something that you're going to want to do solo. In my opinion, um, I think it takes the brass tacks. <laughs> it takes the brass balls to go into an area where you know there's some, a decent grizzly population or there's grizzly sign in there. And then you set up and start calling. I think you're probably asking for some trouble, especially being by yourself. So for you, um, you know, we touched on a little bit of gear and, and the, the gear being j- just saying that it's, it's kind of easy to come by. But we've also talked a lot about um, glassing, right? And you've done a ton of Western hunting, like prior to moving out to Montana. And uh, that's kind of what brought you to Montana, honestly, right? So for a regular Eastern whitetail guy who's going to make one or two trips a year, you know, maybe a trip every other year, um, out West – you know, budget in mind, all that stuff. You know, if you talk to quote unquote real Western hunters or the guys that are into it, you know, you need Swarovskis, you need Zeiss, you need, yeah. and you need, you know, an $8,000 spotter and all this stuff. What is the glass that you're running um, on a regular basis and what is sufficient? Yeah, so if you're the type of guy that's picking out a trophy animal, a really, really high-quality piece of glass is going to save you a lot of boot. Um, if you're counting inches, you're counting tines, uh, you're picking out, you know, you're trying to really, you know, figure out if it's a giant bear or not, um, you're going to want some quality glass for the style of hunting my wife and I do, it just needs to be legal. That's all we need to know. And we're going. So I'm not spending a thousand dollars on a Ferris Ross to know whether or not I'm going to make a move on a bull that I can see the guy antlers on his head, you know? Um, so, I mean, it, and especially for this spring bear hunt, you just got to know it's a bear and it doesn't have cubs with it. That's all. That's all you got to know. And I'm not, 
I'm not trying to, you know, talk guys out of buying this glass if that's what they want to do and it's in your budget, go for it. I mean, buy one's cry once by all means, but you got to be realistic with what you're using the glass for. If that's the thing that's breaking your budget and you're only going to come out West a couple of times and you're not, a, you know, you're not you're looking for branches and all that stuff. Um, it's not needed. You're, you're better off, you know, putting the, putting the money into a good quality pair of boots or a nice, comfortable backpack or something like that. You're, you're, uh, yeah, it's just not, and especially like on this bear hunt, I don't think any of the guys that are coming out here are going to go, ah, that bear's too small. You know, I don't think anybody's ready to come out here and shoot a cub, but all you got to know is if it's a, you know, a sow with cubs and they're, you just wait and watch, do your due diligence before you shoot and make sure she doesn't have cubs in tow or it's a bear. That's all you need to know. You know, it's not like you got to be picking out, you know, the hair on its, on its hide. So, so in, in that instance though, I mean, one of the things that I've heard and I've even heard like from my brother who hunts a bunch, um, like spot and stock whitetail, um, in South Dakota out that way. Um, he talks about, you know, one of the guys has a pair of high end swaros or something, and when he had like lesser binoculars, like not HD binoculars or, you know, whatever, um, he's like, eye fatigue is real. Um, it can be. And so that's yeah. one of the things like, and so do you, do you have a spotter? Like, do you run a spotting scope or? I do. Yeah. Okay. And so like, which version, like what, what is it that you you have? Cause I have one I bought, you know, I've got you know, thousand dollar binoculars and I got a $300 spotting scope and I'd much rather look through my 10 power binoculars oh, than my, you know, 60 power yeah. spotter, you know? Yeah. No spotting scopes, in my opinion, uh, for the style of hunting that I do, that I just kind of talked about a little bit. Um, it's like one of those things you see something with your binoculars that's so far away that you can't really tell if it's, there's a, you know, you, you can't tell if it's a bull or not. You see an elk or something like that. You're like, okay, is that a legal buck? Is that a legal bull? And it's a long ways away, and you're trying to figure out if you're going to commit and go over there and take a look. Um, then you throw the spotter up, take a closer look at them. That's You're not going to – I mean, there's a lot of guys that do, but I don't spend a ton of time behind the spot and scope. And you will get eye fatigue from the spot and scope for sure. Um, they're, not, they're not as easy and as comfortable to, to look through as a set of, as a set of binoculars. Um, you know, I would tell guys, you know, instead of spending the money on a spotting scope, buy a tripod for your binocular. Um, that'll relieve uh, that that'll make a world of difference, you know, versus having a spot scope. So, you know, a pair of like diamond back binoculars or something equivalent, not, you know, not the mold Tascos, <laughs> you know, nothing like that. You're not going to want those, but if you get a good pair of like 10 by 42, 10 by 50, um, you know, or even an eight power, um, but something equivalent to like to a diamondback or a Viper, that's really all you're going to, um, and you know, with spot and scopes, um, uh, that's one of the things 
that if you are going to purchase it and you do think that you're going to want it, you're going to need it. You really want to pay attention to weight. That's, that's one huge factor with spot scope. Um, some of the spotting scope, some of the HD spotting scopes out there. Um, if you start looking at the ounces of them, they are super heavy. And, uh, if you're carrying that thing around all day and you're really putting a lot of miles on, you will notice that that thing's in your backpack. So that's something you want to watch for. And that's definitely one of those things where you want to start to a cheap spotting scope. In my opinion is absolutely worthless. Um, because they're, they're almost impossible to use focus on, try to figure anything out better. than that. So if you were to get a spotting scope, I'd, I'd say to try to get up into a, a, a bit of a better model. Um, you know, Leopold has like a, or their, what is it, their BX5 series glass or whatever. It is. Um, their higher end, like HD scopes are, you can get, you can get a decent scope for under a thousand bucks. But like I say, I, you know, for this hunt in particular, um, I don't think it's needed. You know, you're better off buying a, a nice, uh, head tripod for your binoculars than you are spending a ton of money in glass in my opinion well and i'm asking the question for you know i mean you're kind of speaking to like the people that are going on this hunt but you know as we all do and i mean you've been bit just as much as i have when you start to be like all right like if we if, if you and i decided you know what we've really liked the gym back out stuff like we're gonna go hunt black bears in alaska we're gonna go on the like the little delta or wherever they go and just walk up and down these creeks both of us own all of the gear that it takes to do that but we would certainly right. be like oh we gotta have this because we're going to alaska yeah like we you know <laughs> yeah. and and th yeah. there's that type of thing where you know if and i think one thing as like a western like whitetail hunter like a midwest or a midwestern whitetail hunter right like the first day that we were in uh, our elk camp in Colorado, like we were glassing up elk, like with our 10 power binos a mile away across this big ravine. Right. Yeah. And you'd say if you would, and, and granted it had just snowed and all this stuff. So it was very easy to pick out movement and then figure it out. But yeah. like, if you were to, go like some of the spots that we hunt in Ohio or like probably some of those spots you were in Kansas and you had those same 10 power binoculars. You just said, there is no freaking way that I'm going to be able to see a mile with these binoculars. It's not possible. Right. right? Yeah. And I yeah. think, I think that that's one of the things that, you know, in our minds, we think that, you know, we see it on TV. These guys get all this stuff for free or, you know, they, they got to use it. Like I have to have, crispy right. boots you know everybody has yeah. crispies i need crispies like well yeah. not necessarily you need good no. boots but they don't have to yeah they don't have to be made in italy um yeah so uh, you know that that's you know, like i said you're kind of talking about like this specific hunt this thing you're, you're talking to a specific person and i just wanted to like kind of clarify that you know as if, if you're listening to this and you're being like man i'd like to you know, start looking into this Western hunting thing, like any type of Western hunting thing. Mm -hmm. Like 
it applies all the way across the board. And until you get out there and, and figure out like what you're lacking, you know, like you said, you know, you could spend that same money that you'd spend on a cheap spotting scope that you're going to not want to use. Like the one that I have, that is just, you know, (laughs) just like a, it's just a big old weight, um, on something that, you know, doesn't weigh as much that it's going to be more versatile. You could use it in a bunch of different applications and you could spend that extra money on another hundred dollars. And, and I think the guy from outdoorsman said it best, you know, that extra hundred dollars or whatever is going to go way further on a pair of binoculars than it is, you know, oh, somewhere sure. else, yeah. you know? Yeah. If you were, if you were thinking, you know, oh, okay, I got, I got to budget myself here and get a, a, you know, a lower mid range quality binocular and then a lower mid range spotting scope. I'd tell you to go with a high, with the high dollar, you know, I'd put all that money all day. I rarely, I rarely, my spot and scope usually is in the truck. Um, and it goes in my backpack sometime, but it's not with me very often. And I do not pull it out and use it a ton. Um, it's, you know, I'd, I'd way rather have better binoculars than I would, uh, you know, half-ass both of them and you'll find yourself once you get a really really nice pair of binoculars or or a decent pair of binoculars because i always i always like i never took binoculars with the white in michigan um and then you know i got a pair of diamondbacks to take out west when when we started going back out west on and i'm like i got to do something different than this you know cascos that i'm using or whatever you know that never got used and they were like impossible to use, um, getting focus, all that stuff. And as soon as I bought a pair of decent binoculars, like it, those Diamondbacks or, or you know the the equivalent in the other brand, um, they're not bad, you know, and they're a huge step up from them crappy old Tascos that everybody had. And as soon as you get a pair, you're like, oh, oh, I can use these, and I use them a lot now, you know. And I, you know, ever since then, I, they went with me everywhere, you know, whitetail hunting and everything I did, they went with me turkey hunting and, uh, they do make a big difference. And it's the same with the boots. As soon as I bought a good high quality pair of hiking boots, um, I would find myself wearing those way more than I would wear my muck boots. And especially if I was going to be on you know, a type of hunt where I knew I was going to put the miles on, I was going to be scouting a lot and hunting my way in somewhere. I'd way rather, you know, put the miles on a good quality pair of hiking boot um, versus a pair of muck boots. So, you know, a lot of this gear and stuff that I was getting, it really does surprise you how much it transitioned back over into the Midwest. Um, you find yourself using it quite a bit. So uh, I feel like we could talk about boots uh, all day. Um, yeah. And I, I'm going to ask you some questions about that uh, off to the side. Cause you know, there's different styles of boots, you know, do you need a mountaineering boot? Do you need these boots? And God just coming back from ATA that like, there's, there's no <laughs> shortage of different styles of boots and you see what everybody's wearing right. and like what they're used for. Um. But I think we've said it on here before, 
you know, uh, the quote from uh, my good buddy, Eric Nelson, uh, who was the guy with the longbow? That is a man. That guy is a, is a man. Big Paul Bunyan, Tom Taylor running around Michigan backwoods with a longbow, you know, and, you know, this hunt, you know, you're recommending and, and probably the majority of the hunt is going to be, you know, a rifle hunt. So for you growing up the way that you did, you know, like compound bows were the devil. Fred bear is the first influencer and he's not a real hunter. Um, <laughs> how to, to, to be, I wouldn't to, go that far. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Uh, <laughs> he was the first influencer. I will say that. <laughs> so, uh, to, to, to then be like, all right, we're going to do this with a, with a rifle and, and this sort of stuff. And you, you had, uh, you know, alluded to the fact, or you, you were talking about how you really enjoyed that spot and stock aspect of it and things like that. So, I mean, w- we're here, like I said, if, if you don't like the content, uh, Tom Taylor, um, on Instagram, <laughs> look them up. <laughs> uh, uh, but a gun hunt, you know, how uh, hard was that to swallow or was it just like, you know what, know. you know what I mean? The decision. Cause like I said, when I think about you and anybody that's a, you know, a traditional bow hunter, you know, I guess in the capacity that you are like, they don't, I don't see them very often with a modern rifle in their hand. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, there's a lot of guys out there like that, but I've said it a bunch of times before, but uh, I'm pretty equal opportunity weapons or I don't, you know, um, the traditional gear when I was growing up, um, it was traditional. I mean, it, that's all it was. Um, I cannot tell you how many trophy class animals that have walked by me and not got an arrow in them because of that stick that was in my hand. You know, you, you firsthand have seen how hard it is, you know, so, you know, as I got a little bit older and a little bit less time to hunt, had a family to worry about and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, you know, it got to the point where it was just silly to me to pigeonhole myself into just one weapon and one style of hunting. And, uh, guns are fun, you know, <laughs> guns are fun too. So I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that this isn't going to be a hard hunt, even with a rifle. And you and I both know, um, there is a completely different celebration, celebration level, um, when you shoot something with a gun versus with a bow. Um, and I don't necessarily think that has to do with, uh, the deliveries mechanism. I think it has to do with, the effort that was put into the hunt. And I think there can be a lot of gun hunts out there and a lot of compound hunts and a lot of traditional hunts that will give you the same kind of excitement. It's just going to, it's going to come in different ways. You know, we both have had a doe walk underneath us that we weren't going to shoot. And, you know, we've, we've had 50 does around you for the last five days. One walks underneath and you're like, you know what, I'm going to shoot that thing. And you don't get the same excitement out of it as you do if you were, you know, you had a 
target buck in mind or you had an area where you're really trying to pin a, this buck down and and then it actually came through for you that's a different thing it has nothing to necessarily do with the weapon it has to do with the road you took to get there so that's where i'm at with it i don't um you know when i was growing up there was there was some gun hunting going on um but it was pretty minimal and uh it was mostly for filling the freezer you know later in the season and that's pretty i mean that's kind of still what it is but i just i like to be in the woods on that's all there is to it and you know I don't really care what's in paint. I'll pick and choose what weapon I'm using based off of what, what feels good that day. What's interesting about what you just said. Now, I, I really, I really like uh, uh, that kind of explanation. Not for me, like the, Oh, you need to explain yourself or whatever. Um, but right. just, just simply like as hunters, like, for, like coming from the, the, the place of like, I like being in the outdoors, but I also like killing stuff. And I like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you need meat for the freezer. And the easiest way to do that is go out and whack some does with a, with a rifle, you know, right. yeah, um, 100%. and you're happy, you know, cause you, you got meat, you, you know, you killed something, you were, had a successful hunt, but it just feels a lot different. But I think I would also, you know, in this situation and also like in our deer camp, right. I was thinking you were going to go a little bit different route there and say, instead of like uh, the effort that you put in, like kind of like the circumstances are like who you're with, because the celebration to me is a lot different when I got some people to share it with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I don't, I don't think I said effort. Did I, uh, I think the road you took to get there. uh, I don't think I said effort at the, at the beginning. I think you said like how, difficult it was yeah yeah i don't know i i didn't mean it that way um i mean yeah when things are harder and you accomplish them it feels better for sure but um it's yeah what i meant when i said it's the road you took to get there it's just i mean perfect example is watching guys up at your patreon hunt in michigan shoot fawns you know (laughs) i'm not picking on anybody joe but (laughs) you know guys up in michigan (laughs) you know the guys are ready to just it's a completely different road you're on it's not the same what you've been doing all year long all early season long you know you're grinding you're scouting trying to find a buck you know that you want to you're you're excited about chasing and it's just a completely different path You're on a completely different path. You're with all these guys. Guys just want to, they just want to skin some deer, you know? And yeah, it's just, you know, that's like, that's kind of what I meant about the road it takes to get there is it's not necessarily about the weapon you're using. You know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways to get there to that same peak level of excitement. So as a hunting community or as like hunters, that's one of the things that we're we're losing but i i just i always have i always go back to the like i i just don't feel that same way like i have a hard time embracing like the 
I don't even know that the, I, maybe that's a problem is that like there isn't, I was going to say crossbow culture, but I don't think there is a culture of crossbows. Like, I think that's like the, to me, like the, the bastard of hunting. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not bow yeah. hunting. It's not gun hunting. Um, you know, that's and, the thing. and that's the thing, but I understand like as hunters, you know, and, and when we go up and do our, uh, our rifle camp with the kids and, you know, I really, really enjoy that. And yeah. it's fun, you know, to see the kids involved it's because it's, it's because it's not about the weapon. But if but it's about but if we were to put crossbows in everybody's hands, I don't know that I would. You'd still have a good time. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't even think it's like a cross. I don't I, listen, think it's I'm like not the one to defend crossbow. <laughs> I'm not the one to defend crossbow hunting. That's not where this is coming from. But it's what I'm trying to say. I, I guess is, is you know, and honestly, with with a lot of the calling that we plan on doing, and. I think a guy could bring a bow out here and have a great time, you know? Um, and he could probably even spot stock something. I mean, there's guys that do it, you know, there are guys that do it. So it's not like it's an impossible task. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's just about, it's, and I, I think the reason why there's not like a culture behind crossbow hunting is because, It's, it's, I think it's really based around archery season is what it is. And, uh, you know, archery season is supposed to be your, the reason that season there is because you've, you've limited the effectiveness of the equipment. And the reason why there is kind of a brotherhood there and that culture of, you know, um, yeah, brotherhood around archery is because it's, it's difficult to do. It's difficult to get good at. It's difficult to put it in the right spot. And when you take, when you take that away, um, it's not really meant to be in archery season. That's my, that's my opinion is crossbow should not be in archery season because you've now increased the effectiveness of this equipment so much. Um, you know, the, the reason that season there is because it, it, it limits how many deer can get killed and it limits how effective you are. As soon as you strip that away, you've now got basically a gun out there. That's not as hard to master. And that's where I think there, that's why I think there's no culture behind crossbow hunting is because, you know, you've lost kind of that purpose of what you're trying to do in the first place. I can see that, I suppose. But like I say, it's just, it's, it's, it was very interesting for you to be like, all right, well, this is what we're going to do. Like, you're going to hunt, you know, elk with a bow. You're going to, you know, I mean, we drive all the way across the country. We spend thousands of thousands of dollars to mm-hmm. hunt these animals with a, with a bow and take, you know, weeks and weeks off. And then, like I said, you of all people, you're like, well, let's come go on hunting for some bears. <laughs> like it just, it was just one of those things. And, you know, I, I think the same thing could be said for the podcast, you know, we're hunting turkeys. We're, we're, you know, we're trying to do everything that we can. I'm running around this stupid stick bow and that, that's just for me. And then right. to be like, all right, well, we're going to go try and shoot a bear. But we, I guess there's that other thing. And it's like, 
you wouldn't know what to do with it if you did get there. Like if, if I, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing bear hunting and that's going to be the fun part is the learn as you go. And, you know, when you talk about the, the bow hunting for bears, the calling for bears, that spot and stock on bears, uh, for this group of ragtag Easterners, um, <laughs> you know, that's like saying, I'm, I'm not shooting a buck until I get a, a booner in front of me, you know, right. <laughs> got to get a couple under your belt, you know? And yeah, I mean the, the difficult, the difficulty level of it is already there. You know, it's, it's not easy, especially, you know, with us not being good at bear and not really knowing what we're doing. Um, and then we're also, you know, we don't know exactly. I, I don't, it's not like I have a spot where I'm like, Oh, this place holds bears. We're going to get some stocks with our bows. Like we already have a lot of hurdles in front of us. So let's just knock some bears down and, you know, and set some gunpowder off, <laughs> you know, but I mean, if guys wanted to bring their bows out, I'll be the first guy right there next to them with a bow. You know, I don't, I don't get crap. I'll be right there with them. I would say, you know, I, I, I picture the whole calling thing with a bow. Um, like every, uh, stick bow, brown bear hunt you've ever seen where the, you know, I just picture like tread barter, right. Walking up the little, uh, logging road up to this, brown bear and the guy right behind him with the slug gun, you know, like, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I would, I would much rather if you, if I was the bow guy that you be like the, the gun guy, don't yeah. be right next to me yeah. with the bow. That's a terrible plan. <laughs> yeah. But so, you know, when we went out to, to Idaho that first time, uh, you know, we had a, a goal in mind, right? So it was, you know, we want to, uh, hear an elk, see an elk, get an opportunity and then anything past that is going to be like a bonus, but that's kind of like how we stepped it up. So realistically mm-hmm. uh, to set goals for this hunt and this, the same way that I would tell people who were just starting to mobile hunt or that were just starting to deer hunt is, you know, maybe you need to like, remember your arrows, Robbie. Uh, maybe you need to, you know, not make any noise and get set up clean Maybe you need to just see a a deer. Maybe you just need, I mean, and that's the same thing that I'm going through with my trad bow journey, right? So like this year I got drawn this year, I shot at one and everything all went to shit, but those, those are wins, right? So there are the guys that say, well, you know, it's kill something or bust. Like where would you set your, your, your benchmarks here for this hunt? Yeah. So my goal is for every single person to panic and try to figure out how to get a bear hide back to Michigan without it slipping. So that's or back Midwest without it slipping. That's my goal. Um, and if guys don't want to, if, if guys want to take it easy and they want to chill and they don't want to go that hard, then by all means they can tell me that. But my goal is up here. Like, um, we're going to, we're going to hit it hard. And I expect everybody on this hunt to see a bear and get an opportunity to put a stock on realistically. 
if we can get, you know, depending on the amount of guys we got out here and how many groups, you know, what size group we're hunting and, and what we decide we wanted. Um, realistically, if we can hit that 25 to 30% mark, I would feel like we really achieved something. Um, especially with it being a little bit late, later in the season, we don't have a ton of snow this year. So the bears are going to be spread out pretty thin. Um, that would be awesome if we could reach that goal, you know, 25, 30%. Um, I, you know, and also everybody just have a really, really good time, you know, cause that's pretty, that's what all these camps are about is you and I both know that hunting for yourself and hunting in a camp are two completely different things. The atmosphere is different. It feels different. The goals are different. Um, but you know, I think you would have to be the type of person that's miserable in every type of situation in your entire life to not come on and have a good time. Like you're gonna have a good time and it's going to be as good of a time as you want it to be. And it can be as hard as you can hit it as hard as you want to be. But I, I really do think that we're going to get a bear on the ground. if not two or three of them on the ground. And, and I'm really hoping that everybody gets a chance to see some, put a stock on it. The icing on the cake would be to have some bonker call in situations where shit just goes <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nuts. And then we all stand around at camp that night and tell the story and yeah, he was over here. And the next thing, you know, I don't know what the hell was going on. That's, that would be an absolute blast. So that's what I'm hoping for. So just one more thing to kind of close this out. Um, because I don't know if we should have like led with this or, or whatever. I know it may be like a, a no, no for, you know, I'm not going to say like, Oh, this is where we're hunting or whatever. Um, but what is the, the bear tag situation in Montana? Like, is it Montana's units? Is it, you know, anything like that or how, how does it work? Yeah. You, I mean, it's real easy, um, to find most of, most of Montana, I think. I know the Western half is, is open to black bear. Um, no baiting. It's all spot and stock. Um, there is some hound hunting. You do have to get a license of permit and they limit those. Uh, they limit those quite a bit. They only give out a few, um, hound permits, uh, per unit. Um, but it's all over the counter and, uh, all spot stock, no baiting. So, Pretty much the entire state is open to black bear hunting where you can find a black bear. Okay. Yeah. It, I, be, I believe I, I, you know, I haven't looked at the the Eastern side of Montana, but the whole Western half is pretty much wide open. Okay. Yeah. Like right. I said, I, a lot of, I just wanted to kind of, of bears over here, clear that up for guys who are listening and being like, if they made it this far and they're like, what's the deal? You know, what's the tag situation? Um, right. You yeah. know, just, just wanted to kind of clarify that. Um, yeah. So I'm, that, that was really fun for me, you know, going to ATA this year and like already having this, like in the books essentially to be like, okay, yep. how can I integrate some of this stuff into what we're going to do? And, you know, what am I looking at? How is this going to, 
help me or, you know, whatever. Um, so I just, you know, I really appreciate you, you doing this. And, you know, like I said, if, if, if it goes anything like what happened with the, uh, with the Michigan hunt, you're going to have, you know, seven, eight guys this year. And then next year you're going to have 25. So. (laughs) Right. That's great. That's great. No, I think it'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I would hope, you know, this, this turns into an every year thing because, you know, I told myself moving out here that I was, I was going to try to continue on some of that camp tradition, um, you know, or help or, or help, you know, rebuild that as much as I could. And because I think it's really important. I think it's something we're losing, especially with social media. I think guys get so sick of just seeing the same uh, social media stuff, YouTube stuff over and over and over. And I really do think that just, you know, whatever camp you're going to, whitetail, elk, bear, whatever you're doing, turkey camp, um, I think it's a really good reset button for guys. And I think it's really, really needed. And the hunting world now um you pick up a lot of just little tidbits from guys that you would never think you can't get from social media and you can't get from youtube videos we're, we're losing a lot of that generational knowledge and little tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff um we're, we're losing a lot of that you know by not having these camps so i i think it's something that's really important and i would hope in the future this is something, you know, this could go one or two ways. Like you said, this could turn into something. I don't think it will, you know, um, it's, it's a big trip for guys. You know, they got families, they got spring break coming up. The kids are getting out of school. They got all these plans, the holidays, spring is a busy time of the year. So it, it's, even though it's not wrecking their whitetail hunt back in the Midwest, it's still, a it's, it's a tough trip to spring, you know, to swing for a lot of guys. So I don't, ever see this getting as big as a your your camp there in michigan because uh, you know it's just different you know but i do think this is going to turn into something where um and i would hope this turns into something where it's we got some core group of guys or you know and some some newcomers coming in and this turns into something where eventually if we if we do want to do more of a remote camp or a backcountry camp or something like that. It's it's a lot less of a hurdle for guys to get over um, because they're gonna they're gonna see the country. They're gonna know what they're doing a little bit more. They're gonna be you know a little bit ready for something like that. So you know who knows where it's gonna go. Maybe that's where it goes. Maybe maybe next year, or three years from now, or five years from now, I'm packing ten guys into the backcountry with llamas, and <laughs> we got a nice big cool backcountry camp, and we get after it. Who yeah. knows? We'll see. Well, and for you, it's pretty easy because it's just beta testing for, uh, you know, packing right. people in for, for elk hunts. Yep. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. And for, for everybody listening, like I said, um, that's kind of where we're going with this uh, content here the next uh, the next few weeks. Like I said, I got some uh, pretty pretty good guests lined up to, to kind of... Uh, help us on this journey but at least we've got this uh, on record uh, is this is where our baseline was uh, so we can go back and say man we were dumb Uh, we didn't know anything Uh, 
So, uh, Tom, as always, appreciate you having you on and uh, uh, looking forward to seeing where this thing goes as well. Sounds good. Appreciate it, buddy. <laughs>